Welcome to the Dick Schroeder Podcast. Dick draws his teaching from a deep well of love for the Bible and 50 years of strategic ministry among university students. Enjoy this episode and remember, your Father in Heaven loves you. It's been a real joy for me to share these things with you. I felt there's been a real responsiveness in in your hearts as well. And there's really no greater joy for a teacher than to teach people that really desire to be taught. Well, that's a real special time. I want to do something tonight in the way of practice. And I want us to take some time at the beginning of the class in order to implement some of the things that we've been, we've been talking about. So what I'd like, I'd like us to do is I want, to, I want you to prepare yourself. We're going to wait for five minutes on the Lord in silence. And I want you to, in your heart, to focus on the Lord. It's, it's, it's not a time of just letting your mind go and just you know, daydream, but it's a time of focusing in on Jesus and just coming before Him and maybe quietly in your heart, worshiping Him and lifting praise up to Him. And just in a posture of like we're before the throne of God, that's the posture of waiting on God. And I want us just to wait in silence for five minutes, and then I'm going to give you a directive to a scripture that I'd like you to meditate on for another five minutes. And then just very briefly, I want you to share with someone who you know, maybe pair up, and just share what insights, if any, that the Holy Spirit gave you through that time, and just report on what you sensed happening in this in just this brief time of meditation. So I'd like you to just close your eyes, get comfortable, and I'll tell you when the five minutes up is up, and then I'll direct you to the to the next scripture. Lord, tonight we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that Jesus, you're alive and you live within us. Thank you that it's Christ in us who is the hope of glory. We bless your name for that. And Lord, I pray that you will help us now as we as we want to put into practice the things that we've been learning. And I ask, Lord, that you to fill this time with your presence now as we wait before you. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to turn to Hebrews 12. And I want us to meditate on the first two verses, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And without breaking the the sense of concentration and, and just the sense of quietness that comes by spending quiet time and spending in silence before God. I want you to ask the Lord to reveal something new to you about those two verses. And so what you want to do is, is just read through those verses several times and just ponder them and, and just allow your mind to be guided in the, in the direction that the Holy Spirit would, would seek to take you. And let's try that for five minutes. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So I'd like you to pair up with someone, and I want you to just report what went on during the silence and then what went on as you meditated on the Word? Now, I want to encourage you to be honest. And listen, if nothing happened, report that. We're not here to cook up things and try to you know, be something that we're not. So to report on what, you were, what was going on in your heart. And, you know, some of you, maybe you had so many things going on in your mind that you just really didn't get into this at all. And simply report that. That's, that's what happened. And we're all going to be at different stages and levels and things, but the purpose is to learn from this exercise. So let's take about two minutes and pair up and just share with each other 
Report what you learned and what you thought what was happening inside. Make sure everyone's covered. Come back together. How many of you learned something from this? Amen. Amen. This is just a, a kind of thing that needs to be done on a daily basis. And as we give ourselves to the disciplines of waiting, of meditating, and of listening to God, God is going to just slowly unfold revelation of himself. And we're going to understand him and understand his calling for us in a whole bunch of new ways. Genesis chapter 5. I want to look at an interesting man. There's not much said in the scripture about him. But in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, speaking of the man named Enoch. It says, And Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So Enoch had his own personal rapture. One day God just sucked him up into heaven and he was gone. But the, the, the interesting thing about Enoch is Enoch walked with God. After his son Methuselah was born, then Enoch walked with God for 300 years. And he walked in a relationship with God. And that, that's the kind of thing that the Lord intends for us. It's interesting, what is Methuselah noted for? He's the longest, he's the one who lived the longest. And it's interesting that uh, Methuselah's great-grandson was Noah who became the, uh, the deliverer of, uh, of, of, in God's purposes during the flood. And so it's interesting that, that Enoch's godly life had not only real, real power and witness in his own day, but that witness affected his children, even to the third and fourth generation, like the Bible says. And when Noah came along, and that inheritance that his great-grandfather had given him was still resident in his family and God was able to use Noah because the Bible says Noah was a righteous man and he found favor in the sight of God. So I want you to think in terms of this, that as you develop a godly life before the Lord, not only are you going to influence your generation here, but you're also going to influence your children, your children's children, and your children, your great-grandchildren even. So you're not only just influencing yourself, but if the, if the Lord doesn't come back soon, you're going to be influencing generations to come. That puts a real sense of responsibility on us to live a godly life. Unfortunately, the converse is also true. When we sin and waste our lives away, live for ourselves and break the commandments of God, in the same way we pass on a negative inheritance. We give our children, our great-grandchildren, and, and on to the fourth generation, negative things that they've got to cope with and deal with in their own lives and need to find God's grace to overcome. Now I want to talk about an area of Jesus' life, what I call the submission of Jesus. And it's very important that you understand how Jesus walked. And I've got several scriptures that I'm going to put on the overhead here. And because we don't have time, I'm just going to look through one of them. And I want you to turn with me to John chapter 5. Verses 17 through 19. John chapter 5, 17 through 19. The book of John especially gives us insights into the kind of relationship that Jesus had with his Father. And here in, in John 5, 17, he gives us some, some very important understanding to understand the key to Jesus' ministry. 
It says that um, he's talking to the Pharisees, but he answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this cause, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus therefore answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in a like manner. And so everything that Jesus did, he did by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. But as he walked on earth, he walked as a man Indeed, he was God, but he walked in the manner of being filled and directed and energized by the Holy Spirit. So in that sense, Jesus was fully human when he encountered temptation, when he encountered the sin and the fallenness of mankind around him. And he overcame that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when the Father gave instructions to Jesus to heal the sick, that's what he would do. When the father told him it was time to withdraw and pray, that's what he did. When he chose the twelve, just, did Jesus just go out and choose twelve guys that he thought would make good disciples? He says, no, Jesus sought the, the, the father all night in prayer. And then the next day he called his twelve forth. And the same with all the other events in Jesus' life. He spent a lot of time, probably in the, in the wee hours of the morning, seeking the Father and wanting to know His will and wanting to do what the Father had called Him to do. In verse 30 of the, of the same chapter, chapter 5, Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And I want to postulate to you tonight that the reason that we will have power and authority is that we are doing what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do. See, we are doing the things that God has commissioned us to do. And like Jesus at the end of his life, when it, when it is said of him that he says, Father, I finished the work that you gave me to do. If we know what it is that God wants us to do, then we're going to be able to complete it by the end of our lives and have the joy of having a, a job well done and, and a task finished. And God wants us all to have that, that sense and that joy. And of course, that comes as a growing thing as, as we walk with God. You know, when you're young in the Lord, you don't always... Most of us don't know the full implications of what God has for us. But if we continue to walk and to follow after Him, He will give us more clarity and more understanding. John 21, 21, the last scripture I want to look at. Here Jesus commissions the disciples after He had breathed upon them the Holy Spirit. And, you know, in the other Gospels, we get, we get parts of the Great Commission. And in the Matthew 28, Commissioning, Jesus said, we're to go and make disciples. He gives us some methodology and he says we're to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the book of Mark, Jesus says that we're to go and preach the gospel to all the creation. And uh, the signs, these supernatural signs shall follow them that believe. So here Jesus gives us the breadth there. Luke says that, that repentance in his name should be proclaimed to everyone everywhere. So some of the message, the message of repentance and forgiveness is, uh, is underscored in, in Luke's gospel. And then here in the book of John, Jesus gives us the how we're to go and do what he is doing, what he has given us to do. And he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. 2021? Okay. All right. Sorry about that. 2021 then. As the Father has sent me, 
so I send you. And so, see, we are sent under the power and under the discipline of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus will give us the keys and the insights, the understandings, the direction in order to do the work that he has commissioned us to do. So I want to, I want to encourage you tonight by saying that, that it is so imperative that we learn to be led by the Spirit. Because our, our, the fruitfulness of our lives will be limited it, 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 in fact, it's limited to the degree that we really sense the Spirit's guiding in our lives. And, and remember, I'm not, I'm not talking about a, a mentality that is always seeking to hear voices and, and, and somehow is getting weird, but I'm simply talking about walking with God every day. And most of God's guidance to us is already given in the Scripture. Probably 90% of God's guidance, see, is already given. It's already laid out in black and white for us. And, and I'm, and, but the, the guidance part of our lives is like the, the other 10% that um, would, would, uh, would, would involve things like the timing of God in our lives, the where we're to go, um, the right words to say that, that, that probably that 10% of the guidance in our lives, that's the part we're trying to fine-tune. And I believe this is true. I believe that the younger you are in the Lord, the more attention you need to pay to the commandments and the things that are written. God has already clearly told us what we're to do. And so you, as we're young in the Lord, we need to occupy ourselves with the Word of God. We need not to worry so much about the, uh, the mystical leadings of the Spirit. That is going to come as we take care of the everyday life of obedience, of purity, of fellowship, relationships, all the very simple things that we all are, are, are grappling with and growing with in the Word of God. And tragically, this, this usually gets reversed. It's usually the young Christians are the ones that are zealous to seek God. It's the young Christians that you find willing to stay up all night and pray and willing to, to, to do zealous acts for God. And it's the older Christians that get complacent and kind of, well, we don't need to worry about hearing God's voice, you know. And, and, and see, it really, it should be the other way around. The, the young Christians ought to be digging into the Word and, and just doing the, the practical things that are instructed there, as well as having their ear open to the Spirit. But the older we get in the Lord, the more time we need to be spending before Him, saying, now God, I want to be tracking. I like that word Dave argues been using. I want to track with you in my day-to-day walk with you. So I want to be on target. I want to be where you want me to be. I want to have the right attitude of heart. And I want to have words that you could quicken to me that will minister life to people. And so the older you get in the Lord, really the more concern you need to take about this area of of, of guidance and direction and this sense of, of oneness and closeness with the Holy Spirit and fellowship with Jesus um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in our inward heart because God wants to use us and, and develop us as we mature. Scripture has a lot to say about hearing God's voice. Uh, the Bible has much to say. In Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, we read this. We read that in that God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets, and in many portions and in many ways in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And so God has been speaking to us from the beginning, right? From the moment when Adam was created, and God spoke to him, thus giving Adam meaning. Otherwise, Adam would have just been there wondering what's going on, you know, but God spoke to him and gave Adam meaning. And then, and that's God's intent. He wants to fellowship and talk with every one of us. And, and he, he's already communicated in many different ways, and he's still wanting to communicate with us. And it's our privilege as children of God to hear the voice of God. 
It's our privilege to be led by the Spirit. When I talk about hearing the voice of God, I'm not talking about an audible voice, although there are some people, not only in the Scripture, but today that have heard the audible voice of God. But most of the time, it's simply the inner prompting of the Holy Spirit that many of you here have experienced when you just know there's... The, the Spirit is tugging at your heart that you, you need to go and talk to this person or that you need to make a phone call and, 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 or go and do something. Lord, quicken something inside. And you know that this is a directive from the Holy Spirit. And that's our privilege to hear and com- commune with God in that way. The basis for hearing the voice of God really comes from faith in two ways. One is faith in the character of God, and two is faith in the promises of God. And I just want to really briefly look at this and some of these scriptures tonight. First of all, as we contemplate the character of God, that should give rise to a lot of faith in our hearts that, that God wants to speak to us. First of all, we know that God is, is all-knowing. God knows everything that can be known. And if God knows everything, don't you think He is willing to communicate things that we don't know to us? Say God's heart is more than anxious to communicate. So He knows everything. He's the source of all wisdom and knowledge. Secondly, He has all power. He has power to do anything that He so desires. And if He has all power, if He can put the whole universe together and hold it together by the word of His power, can't God speak to us? See, isn't God big enough to communicate to us in some way that we'll recognize that this is God? So we need to have faith. See, and, rise, and let faith rise up and say, God, you know, you're powerful enough to speak to me. And if, you know, if we're giving God any listening time at all, He is going to be faithful and delighted to communicate and guide us. And He's holy. And so everything that God speaks will be always filled with the righteousness and the holiness of God. Everything that God speaks is always filled with the purity of His light. And therefore, we can discern leadings and things that would be tainted with sin and evil. Some, sometimes in, uh, in, in spirit-filled circles, you hear people talking about God leading them to do things that are a little shady. And you know right away that that's not God, because God does not violate His holiness and His justice. Everything that God speaks us to do always has a wholesomeness to it, to it, a lovingness, and a real sense of purity. God's all wisdom. He knows what to do in every situation. Therefore, He knows what the keys for our lives is. And biggest of all is that God is love. And as a father, He longs to communicate with us. What father does not delight in talking with his children? What father does not delight in answering the, the questions, and in answering the uh, the, the, the inquiries of his children as they ask crazy questions like why is there air and why is the sky blue and all those questions that, that the little kids ask. And it's a delight for a father to answer those kinds of things. And so you need to, to have the understanding in your heart that God wants to direct and guide your life. You know, it's not like we've got to twist God's arm to get some guidance out of him because he's a tremendous loving father. And in, and in his way and, and in a way that's just appropriate and correct for you, He is going to speak and communicate with you. So we don't have to twist God's arm. And then not only do we have the character of God, but we've got lots of promises that God has given to us that He will indeed guide us. Psalms 32.8 says, The Lord will guide us and direct us with His eye upon us. The Lord will guide and direct us with His eye upon us. I think that's neat because those of you who 
remember your parents and, and how many of you know that your parents had a certain way of looking at you that you knew you weren't supposed to do something. You know, you'd look at your mom and you'd be off to do something. She'd look at you in this certain way and you'd go, whoa, I better not do that. And she wouldn't even have to say a word. She'd just give you a look. And, and, and God says, he says, I want to guide you in the same way. That is, you are beholding me as you are seeing my face that I am going to be able to just guide you by the expression on my face. That's the kind of intimacy God wants us to have with him. And then in John chapter 10, some real delightful scriptures about us being sheep and hearing his voice. John chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. Jesus said, To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. Speaking of Jesus, the shepherd. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And just as a shepherd takes care of his sheep and the sheep get to know him by his voice, so too we will get to know the, the guidings and promptings of the Holy Spirit because we know the shepherd. See, we get to know God better. The more you know about God, the more he reveals to you, the more comfortable you'll be hearing, uh, you, the more comfortable you'll be at hearing his voice and being guided and directed by him. And then in verse five, it says, in a stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. And we'll begin to discern, see, when the enemy is speaking and when it's God speaking. That's when we grow in our discernment, we grow in our maturity, and we begin to, we can begin to sense the spirit of what is going on in a particular situation. And all of that comes through discernment and practice, and it comes by, by us uh, obeying and, and, and acting upon the promptings that God gives us. God uses sheep for a, a, a pretty clear reason, I think. You know, sheep are one of the most, um, most difficult animals because they're so dumb. Sheep are really, they really need a shepherd because they can get into all sorts of trouble. There's a book called The Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm by a, a man named uh, Keller is his last name. I don't remember his first name. But he tells in there about how some of the crazy things sheep go through and do and how utterly dependent they are on the shepherd. And so God says, you're sheep. In other words, you, you're in desperate need of guidance. But Jesus, it says of him that he is the good shepherd and he is the one who's willing to give that guidance and the, the things that we need in our lives. Several other scriptures there. I'll just, I'll just encourage you to take those down and, and look them up on your, on your own. Affirming the word of God, promising that God wants to speak to us and that we can be led by his spirit. The second thing in hearing God's voice is that we need to have humility. We need to have a sense of dependence on God. Pride says, who needs God? I don't need God to tell me what to do. I can do it myself. Humility says, Lord, I, I need you and I want your best. So I'm going to ask you about the decisions that I am making. The third area is, is the area of purity. In order to walk with God, we need to walk in purity. And God, if we are walking in, in, in revealed in disobedience to God's revealed will, then we're going to have a, a clouded relationship with God at best. And so God demands heart purity. It's like Dave said this morning, he says, keep short accounts with God. When the Lord, you know, you do something and the Holy Spirit goes, you know, tweet, wrong, you know, the, the Lord blows the whistle and says, that wasn't right. Right there, say, Lord, you're right. And I, I submit to your your conviction, I agree that wasn't right, and I repent and turn away from it and ask you to cleanse me and ask you to forgive me. 
And then you go on and walk with God. So you don't make a big deal of it. You just turn away from evil when, when, when the Spirit convicts, you know. And, and, and as, we, as we do that, then we're in, we're in the place where we can hear the voice of God very um, increasingly in a, in a more clear way. But if there's disobedience, Psalm 66, 18 says that when I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. And our prayers just go up to the ceiling and they bounce back down when we don't have a pure, a sense of purity in our hearts before God. And then the last thing, it was we need to give time God to, for God to speak. And we need to wait before Him and give Him a chance to speak to us. And this goes back to the discipline of waiting on God. We need to have times where we're just silent before the Lord like we, like we were tonight for uh, the period of five minutes. Now, there's three possible sources of leadings and guidance, and we need to be aware of that. One is they can be from God. Secondly, they can be from ourselves. They can simply rise out of our, our own human understanding. Now, those may not be, they're not necessarily bad, but uh, they're not, they, sometimes they're not in line with what God wants. And also, there's um, the voice of Satan. And you'll begin to recognize the voice of the enemy and how the enemy can throw in his curveballs and his, his uh, promptings which tend to drive and compel. We're aware that there is a, a spiritual battle and that there's static in the air. And when we're wanting to tune into what God wants, and especially in the areas of strategy where we're seeking to move ahead, sometimes we get a lot of static in the air, and that's, that's why God calls us to prayer and fasting in order for us to clarify a particular leading or direction that God is wanting us to go. It says in, in um, Chronicles that David was inspired by Satan to number the troops of Israel. And even Joab, his right-hand right commander, said, Hey, David, this is, a, this is evil. God doesn't want you numbering the troops because God is our strength. It doesn't matter how many troops we have. But David prevailed on him and says, No, I want him numbered. And the Bible says that that whole thing was a plot of Satan. And David took it. So he, he didn't test it out. And he, he wasn't wise and sensitive. And he numbered Israel. The judgment of God came upon uh, as a result of that and, and some very bad things happened to the nation. And it was because of David's disobedience. So see, there's kinds of mistakes and, and uh, things that can be made in leadership that have devastating consequences on the people that, 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 you know, that follow after. And, uh, and then when we're leading people, we want to have a, a sense of purity and, and, and a discernment so that we're, we're going to be listening to God and not be, be led astray by the voices of the enemy. So when we, but see, as we have a pure heart and as we're submitting to the Lord, James 4, 7, that as we submit to the Lord and resist the devil, then he'll flee from us. So we simply need to be aware that there can be leadings that are not from God, that there, there can be promptings that are not from the Lord, and we just need to be wise and discerning and be submitting them to the Lord. To our human reasoning, see, our thoughts and desires aren't necessarily bad, but we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us die out to our thinking and our desires and say, now, Lord, now help me to realize what you want in this situation. So we ask the Lord to help us die to our own desires and the things that we think should happen, and we ask the Lord to give us his picture and his thoughts on any, on any particular given matter. The book of Acts is filled with examples of people being led by the Spirit. And if you want to write all those references down, you can. If you just want to do a study on your own of the book of Acts, and just note 
all the places that the Lord supernaturally interrupted people. And you get an idea of the, the way the early church operated. And I believe that this is the normal Christian life. I believe this is the way God wants us all to walk with Him, where the Spirit can lead and guide and change our direction and put us in the right place at the right time. I just want to look at one of those, and that's in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, Philip had gone down to Samaria. He had preached the gospel there. And tremendous things happened. People were being healed. Demons were cast out. Many people were baptized. And that whole city was turned upside down by the preaching of the Word of God. Philip sent word that Samaria had received the Word of God. And the apostles came down and, and they laid their hands on, on these people and they received the Holy Spirit. And so all of these, how would you like to be in a revival like that? You go back to your campus and and maybe you stand up in the student building and you start preaching and all of a sudden miracles start taking place and people come to the Lord and they're baptized in the, in the university fountain or swimming pool or someplace. You know, all these great things are happening. You're in the fish tanga. So right in the midst of it, what happens? In verse 26, it says, But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem, to Gaza. So this angel comes and appears to Philip. And you can imagine the struggle in Philip's heart. And he goes, Lord, Lord, there's a great revival going on. Man, people are being healed. People are being baptized. The body of Christ is being formed here. Relationships are happening. Evangelism's taking place. Lord, why would you want me to leave this great revival? You know, But Philip, being a man of God, he was led of the Spirit. And so he goes out into the desert. And besides, out in the desert? Now, oh, Lord, you know, what do you want to go out in the desert for? Here, I should probably stay at this revival and be used of you in this great way. But Philip trusted the leading of the Spirit. And so he goes out in the desert. Could you do that? What if God was using you on your campus and God says, you know, go out, go out into the mountains or go out into the fields where, where there was seemingly no one out there at all? Would you be obedient to the Lord? Well, Philip was. So he arose and he was out there in the desert wandering around. And he found an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, sitting in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, the scripture doesn't say this, but, you know, I think some uh, some campus minister was passing out tracts in Jerusalem, and this eunuch got one of them. And so on his way home, he was reading this tract that someone had passed out to him. And the end... The Spirit said to Philip, notice that, the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. So Philip ran up, and you, you know the account. He led this man to the Lord, and this guy had such a radical conversion, he saw water and he said, man, I want to be baptized. So he was baptized, and right after Philip had baptized him, what happened? He got snatched away. Philip got snatched away somehow by the Holy Spirit, and he got planted some distance away in Azotus. So Philip went on, went on preaching, and the eunuch, it said, he just went on his way rejoicing. He looked around and said, oh, well, hallelujah. And he went on his way to Ethiopia with his tremendous revelation of Jesus that had come into his life. And see, God cared not only about all the people of Samaria, God cared about the, the one person that was out there in the desert crying out for God, saying God knew that. So God says to Philip, hey, I want you to go out in the desert and Philip, being obedient, he went that way, and bam, great, great conversion took place. Now, see the wisdom of God. See, God knows the hearts of people, doesn't he? 
See, on our campuses of, of the, you know, five, ten, fifteen thousand people on your campuses, see, God knows who's hungry. We don't. We might go out and, you know, try to give a track to everybody on the campus and we might accomplish it. But how much better it is, is to say, now, Lord, lead and guide me to the right people. Because, you know, maybe 10% of those people right at this moment are ready to become Christians. They just need someone to give them the word and show them the way and they're ready. They're ripe for picking. And that's where we need to, to have that sensitivity to, that God will put us with the right people. See, he, he knows where to send us. He knows where we're to go. And, and as we're, we're sensitive to be led by the Spirit, God is going to make us more fruitful than we would be otherwise just going on our own, on, you know, on our own thoughts and stuff. And that's a prayer. I say, oh God, lead me and guide me so that I can walk in your way. Now, the rest of these examples you can look at and be encouraged by them and start asking the Lord. Now, Lord, you know, you led Philip by your spirit. I, I want to be led by your spirit as well. I want to be led today by your spirit. Put me across the right people. Put me in the right classes. Help me to sit today by someone that needs you. And boy, I, you guys, in the most uncanny ways, God answers those prayers. It's beautiful the, what, what God can do is you just, you just submit to Him. See, because He's the Almighty God. Nothing's impossible for Him. And as we just are making ourselves a willing vessel in His hands, and as we're, we're sensitive to His promptings, and as He steers our lives around, He's able to put us in the right places at the right time. And, and we're going to just be surprised sometimes and just rejoice at the great things that God does. It's, it's really, it's, it makes the Christian life exciting. Anybody that says walking with God is boring is really missing a lot. I don't think they're really walking with God because God's the most exciting being in the whole universe. Hallelujah. Some final thoughts on hearing the voice of God. First of all, all guidance needs to be confirmed by the Word of God. All leadings and promptings need to be always evaluated by the Word of God. And if they don't match up, then they're immediately to be rejected and to be suspected. In other words, you know, God doesn't you know, lead you to steal someone's money. God doesn't speak to you that it's okay to cheat on your income tax. God doesn't say that it's okay that I have a special relationship with this guy or gal and, you know, it's... It's like it's really holy and spiritual if we indulge in sex and stuff. And people get all the time get deceived by that stuff. And just don't let yourself be deceived. If you will, if you will allow it, the enemy will deceive you and give you all kinds of leadings that appeal to our flesh and that rebel against God's word. That's why we have to ruthlessly test all things by the word of God. In times of silence, like when we have these in, in our meetings, in our times of worship in the evening, what do you do during the times of silence? You know, while we're all just waiting together on the Lord and we sense God's presence moving among us. So we need, to, we need to not just kind of be there floating in neutral, but we need to ask the Lord. Now, Lord, what do you want to do tonight? Lord, pray, pray for the folks that are leading, that they would be sensitive and hear what God wants to do tonight. And, that, and, and Lord, do you want me to do something here tonight? And you're just in that posture of, of, of being open to communicate with the Lord, say, instead of just kind of being there and just kind of blissfully enjoying the presence of God, you, you're, you're tuning in to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And I've, I've watched Dave argue, usually sitting up in this area. And it, as, as worship is going on, I always see him there. It's like he's saying, okay, now, Lord, where, where are we going? He's trying to sense what is the Spirit doing among all of us. And that makes, makes it really exciting because God may speak to you to go minister to someone in the crowd here that's having a tough time. Maybe He'll direct you to give a scripture, a word of prophecy, or maybe a tongue and an interpretation, or maybe a healing. See, it's, uh, it's, it's, 
it's all a matter of us communicating with God. You know, when someone stands up and says, you know, I, I, I'm sick and um, I need someone to pray for me. You need to say, no, Lord, do you want me to go pray for him? And if the Lord prompts you, yes, I want you to go pray for him. Get up and do it. If the Lord says no, then, then don't do it. But see, you're always asking and giving. You're just making yourself always available, saying, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to be used in this way. And when we begin to communicate with the Lord and seek guidance from Him, start with the simple things. I encourage you, as, as you learn to hear the voice of God, start with simple things. Like things that are, are if you make a mistake and miss the leading of God, are not going to, it's not going to devastate you and it's not going to ruin the rest of your life. Things like, um, in, in, like in a meeting, you know, like, Lord, do you want me to read a scripture tonight? And if the Lord quickens you to do something, then do it. Lord, who am I to sit with at dinner tonight if I'm living in a dormitory? Lord, guide and direct me to someone that I can sit with tonight. And, and you begin to practice by to, to hear the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Spirit in these smaller ways. And then as you see, as you, you sense God guiding and directing you in a certain way, and you obey that, and then God is going to confirm that this was me. See, indeed, this was right. And... And as, 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 as these things are confirmed, then confidence comes into your heart to, um, you know, to obey the Lord next time. This was my experience as I, uh, as, as I learned to, to participate more in the, in the, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I can remember really clearly the first time I felt that I was to give a, a message in tongues in public. My whole heart started beating and I was just, oh no, Lord, you want me to do that? But I said, okay, Lord, I, I believe this is you, and, and I'm, I'm even willing to be a fool for you. And so I, I stepped out and did it. And what happened? Someone else interpreted it, and, and the Lord did, did something in the meeting. And I was, I was, all right, Lord, great, hallelujah. So the next time the Lord said, I want you to speak in tongues. I want you to give a public you know, message in tongues. I was a little more confident to do it. See? And then came the day when God says, now I want you to interpret so someone gives a tongue, you know, and one time I was literally in a meeting and the Lord says, I want you to interpret. And so I said, okay, Lord, you give a tongue and I'll, I'll try to interpret. And just right after that, it came and I'm, I'm going, oh no, Lord. <laughs> and, and the Lord said, okay, I want you to give the interpretation. And God gave me the first two words of the interpretation. It's I will. And I, that's all I knew. And so when I said, I will, and then the rest of it started coming. Just like, you know, uh, you know, the Lord just word by word dropped it into my heart what I was to say. And so I began to get sensitivity and confidence so that when now, when the Lord speaks to me that I'm to give a word or to, 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 to give a directive, maybe a prophecy in that way, I'm more confident now. And I can sense when the Lord wants to use me. Sometimes I'll, especially in leadership, I'll be um, in a meeting and I'll sense the Lord wanting to say something. And I'll, and I'll pray for it, and I'll, I'll sense, boy, someone here is God's wanting to use, but, but they're hanging back. They're having a struggle on whether or not they should do it. So I'll pray for them, like, Lord, give them courage. Help them to step out in faith. And sometimes I, the Lord will actually tell me who it was that should have given it, and then the Lord will use someone else instead. And so sometimes I've gone to them and I'll say, was the Lord talking to you about giving a word tonight? And they'll go, how'd you know? To say, and it, what it'll do is it'll encourage them that, hey, see, God was talking to them. And I'll say, now listen, next time you step out and be obedient to the Lord. Now that's just in the area of, of, of you know, the vocal gifts, but that applies to all of the areas of, of guidance. And uh, we need to be active and, 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 and discerning and yet have that willingness to be led by the Spirit in, in all ways. One of the things, when you come to a meeting or any kind of gathering, you need to come in the Spirit. That means you need to come prepared in your heart. 
You need to come where you've prayed, where you've waited on the Lord, where you're like you come in tune with the Holy Spirit. And then God's able to use all of us together. See, that's why sometimes we have to have, you know, like in a church service or a meeting where we have a half hour of worship and then things kind of really start to flow. Well, if everybody came with a full cup, then we just start off and the Lord could take us away. But see, as it is, we've got to get off the ground. We've got to taxi down the runway and get enough speed up to get in the air. And see, that's what a lot of worship is, is we're all kind of getting together and God's, you know, you know, getting us in order and in rank. And then when we're there, then God can begin to guide and lead us. And part of maturity is just coming prayed up and coming in the spirit. See, coming prepared so that you don't need to be primed up. You're, in a sense, ready to go and ready to do what God wants you to do. I want to give you just a couple of examples. When I was a young Christian, I was concerned about the issue of marriage in my life. I was really concerned about uh, a particular person that I was seeing at the time. And, and, and I really sincerely desired God's will. I was saying, Lord, I want your will above everything. And I was uh, getting to like this one particular lady. And so I, I, I was, I was seeking the Lord. And, and in this time, this, in fact, I remember the particular evening that it happened. I was asking the Lord, what about this issue of marriage? What do you want from me? Because I was having some anxiety about it, wondering, you know, what I should do and all these things. And I was saying, the Lord, you know, I really need something from you to hold on to. And if you want to speak to me, you see, we never demand God speaks to us, but we're just open saying, no, Lord, if you have something to say, if you want to speak to me in some way, then I'm, I'm open to it. And as I was just waiting before the Lord, the Lord quickened to me a scripture, and it was Isaiah 58.11. I had no idea what Isaiah 58.11 was, so I, but I looked it up, and this is what the scripture says. And it says, and the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones, and you will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And what the Lord spoke to me, and the Lord quickened some things for me out of that verse. And one was that the Lord was going to guide me and direct me. And that whatever, whether he wanted me to be single or married, is that I was going to be like a well whose waters did not fail. And so like it was like the Lord was promising that he was going to take care of me and fulfill me. And I really laid a hold of that promise. And, and I just trusted that, well, God, you're going to take care of this area. And it really relieved a lot of anxiety, a lot of the... Uh, just, you know, the kind of frustrations about whether I'm going to be married or not or that whole thing. And, and it was several years later when I, when I met my, uh, my wife-to-be and uh, as we entered into a relationship and a friendship began to grow and stuff and I began to seek the Lord and uh, ask Him, you know, if uh, this was the right person and if, you know, if, just asking Him what I should do, that God was very faithful to, to guide and direct. And when, uh, when I asked the Lord, um, I was... Uh, my, my wife and I met in the summer of 77 on a ministry team together. She was living in Oklahoma at the time. So she went back to Oklahoma and we communicated by letter and phone call. And by Christmas time, I, I knew that our, our relationship had come to some kind of uh, crossroads. You know, like either we were going to get married or either we probably, you know, we wouldn't communicate anymore. It was just coming to some kind of decision there. And so she asked me to come home to her folks in Chicago. And, and before I went there, I was, I was saying, oh God, what should I do, Lord? What's your will for me? I was really just bombarding heaven. And, and it was like I was wanting God to tell me what to do, you know. And finally, I, in, in this one night I was waiting and the Lord said, uh, go for it. And I said, it's kind of like I went, what? The Lord says, go for it. And he says, you have my permission to ask her to marry you. And uh, as, as, I, as I later thought about it, the Lord told me that because 
he, he made me understand that it was me that was getting married, not him, so that if it didn't work out later, I'd go, oh, thanks a lot, God, you know, like Adam did, you know, Lord, this woman whom you've given me, you know. So, but, <laughs> you know, I start blaming God for my wife, you know, same thing Adam did. Go ahead. You're, like, it's like if you want to ask her, then you're, you're in my will. And he also gave her, you know, like God does with all of us. He, God never forces his will on us. And I had the understanding that she might not say yes. And in fact, I really, in my heart, wasn't sure whether she would or not. I'm, I'm grateful now that she did. And I really believe that, uh, that God has put me with the right person. Boy, after uh, being married for six years now and some of the, the, the refining that God has done in our lives, I see God's wisdom and I see his, really see his, uh, his, uh, wisdom demonstrated in putting the two of us together because God's using us on each other to, to sandpaper and, and build us into the, be the people that he wants us to be. So see, God can, God can give it guidance in all sorts of ways. I, uh, after that summer of service, I had a, I had an old Volkswagen and it wasn't in very good shape. And when I got back home, it blew up and died, you know. And so I didn't, I was having been in ministry all summer, I didn't have enough money to go out and buy a car. And, and as I, I was learning to do, I just submitted these things to God. And I said, well, Lord, now, what do you want me to do? How, what do you want to do as far as a car goes? Should I just go buy one or, you know, what should I do? And I had the distinct impression from the Holy Spirit that he said, just wait. Just wait. I've got something for you. And so I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be neat. So I, I did. I just trusted the Lord. And that happened in August. And um, I, I didn't have a car all the way through the fall through, through December. And just learn to walk and, you know, borrow my friend's cars. And I, I got along fine. But I had this distinct thing in my heart. God had put a, a, a little seed of faith there that he was going to do something. And in the middle of December, some friends of, of, of mine from the church had um, been trusting. They had really been praying and standing with me that God would provide a car. And he had been in an accident, an industrial accident. And he had got a quite a sizable settlement and uh, of, of close to... Um, Eight eight thousand dollars, and and when he received that money, he paid off his car, and he had twenty five hundred dollars left over. And he has two children; he has lots of things that he could use the money for. But being a man of God, he got before the Lord and says, "Well, Lord, we've got twenty five hundred extra dollars. What do you want us to do with it?" And the Lord spoke to him and said, "Buy Dick Schroeder a car." <laughs> so this guy went down. He even bought he bought the car and everything and took care of it. And he came over uh, in in, um, in the middle of December. He called me up. This guy's kind of a uh, real stoic kind of guy, real serious. And he called me up and says, "Dick, I got to see you this afternoon." I thought, "Oh no, you know something tragic's happened." And he comes up to my uh, to my apartment. And then he says, "Get your coat on. We've got to go outside." And I thought, "Man, what's going on?" You know, we go outside and he hands me to the keys to this car and he says. God bless you. This is what this is God's gift to you. So the car I still have is uh, was uh, that was back in 1977. God provided a car. Now will He do it again? I don't know. Now will He do it for you? Maybe, maybe not. But the point is, is to see I sought God, <laughs> sought God for His will. See, and not, you know the beautiful thing is this guy, this other fellow who was willing to take the twenty five hundred dollars, and he was willing to obey the Spirit too when God said, "Buy this other guy a car." And see, there'll be times when, you know, you have extra money. Lord, what should I do with my savings account? God says, keep it, keep it. But maybe God will say, give it to missions. And see, that's all being led by the Spirit, just doing what Jesus wants us to do. Uh, I was sitting, I was spent some days up on campus praying for our new year, just this last week before SALT. And I was sitting in the student union. There wasn't many people up there. And I was just praying and asking God to really move this year on our campus. And I had been reading a book in which... Um, 
C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, had been mentioned. And I've, I've in the past read that book and I've really enjoyed it. And I've given all my copies away and I haven't had a copy for about a year. And it was just like in, in, in that way of just talking to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I wish I had another copy of that. And the Lord and the Spirit said to me, go down to the bookstore. So I packed up my things. I went down to the school bookstore. I looked around and I asked the lady. I said, you any C.S. Lewis books? And she says, well, a few. And she showed me the section and there wasn't the screw tape letters there. And I said, well, I was looking for one called the screw tape letters. And she said, well, you know, I think there's one over in the bargain table. And so we went over this big bargain bin and there was one sitting there for 49 cents. <laughs> you know, and so I, I picked it up and I went back up and said, thanks, Lord. Now, God wouldn't have had to do that. You know, I could have I could have paid the normal price for the book. But the important thing is that that's just another expression that God cares. He really cares deeply about us. And if God can lead and guide me concerning a minor book, can't he lead us and guide us in his great commission? See, it's all a part of just walking with God, you know. Now, I don't want you to get to get the impression that it's like God's leading and guiding me, you know, just all the time. You know, God says this, do this, do this. It isn't that way. It's just occasionally. You know, most of the time I just live my life out and I do the next thing that I, I think is right to do with uh, no direct voices from heaven or anything. But every once in a while, I just have my ear open and God says, do this. And that's when I'm open to obey. And that's when he's able to bring great fruit from our lives. So may God encourage you and may God bless you as you embark on the inward journey of getting to know him better. Hallelujah. It's been a pleasure sharing with you. and God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Dick Schroeder Podcast. For more teaching and discipleship resources from Dick, visit fatherheartministries.net.